Welcome to Productivity Mastery. Stoy here, a productivity and performance coach on a mission to help businesses and people get the most out of their time. On this podcast, I'll bring you exceptional performers and together unlock what it takes to perform at your highest level. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this episode. My name is Stoyer. I'm a productivity and performance coach for those of you who are watching. And I'm a co-author of the book, Perform the Unsexy Truth About Startup Success. Today we have a substitute of my co-author. So Christopher, also my co-author, is not able to join us. But but we have a, a brilliant panel of people down here that will, uh, will be here with, uh, with us today. Chris Robbins, the CEO of Tele2 for Estonia. Victoria Veselenko, the CEO and founder of Knowledge Gate Group. Rada Patel, a founder of Toga, health expert, nutritionist and pharmacist. Um, so we're going to take some questions. So make sure to post your questions in the comments. And we're actually going to give away a couple of uh, books. So yes, make sure to post your question. We'll try to take as many questions. But before we continue on the topic today, which is optimal energy, the O for the perform methodology, I would like to, to take the time and to give a chance to our guests to actually give a bit of a context about who they are and where they come from, uh, starting with Radha, Radha in 47 seconds. Who is Radha Patel and what do you do? Ooh, 47 seconds. I love how specific you are. So um, my name is Radha and I'm originally from Wales and I am a clinical pharmacist by day, but have also been a yoga teacher for 10 years now. I work as an Ayurvedic nutritionalist coach as well, uh, as well as speaking on different subjects, everything from sort of mental and physical health, as well as your spiritual health. And for me, it's a lot about trying to inspire people to really make realistic empowering changes and being looking at health as a way of, sort of self-care not just a way of sort of punishment and aesthetics so yeah really excited to talk about energy because from what I've seen I think it's probably one of the biggest problems in the world alongside a couple of other words we won't mention beginning with C um, but I think it's something that every person I know could really do with focusing on and is a real game changer. Thank you, Rara. Victoria, your turn. Sure. So my name is Victoria. I'm, I'm originally from California, but I've been living in Copenhagen now for the last four-ish years. Um, I'm the CEO and founder of Knowledge Gate Group. Um, we're a company that works with life science companies and connect them to experts for micro consultations. Um, I'm also very excited to be here just because this is quite good timing on our side. We've been very, very busy and pulling some incredibly long days lately. Um, so I'm very excited to hear different people's perspectives, especially you, Rada, with your background now um, <laughs> and uh, how we can go about doing it the best way possible. I love it. Uh, it's going to be interesting also to hear how you are managing your energy, putting in these long hours. Um, Chris, your turn. Very cool. Hi, guys. My name is Chris. I'm from uh, currently I'm in Estonia. Well, currently I'm in Dubai, but I'm working in Estonia. Um, I'm Canadian, but I've uh, lived and worked in Europe for about the last 20 years, six, seven countries, something like that. I've lost track after a while. Um, one thing in every one of those countries, I've been mostly in telco. I, I have started my own business. I ran a tourism business that I started um, in France, in the French Alps, which was fantastic. 
Um, also did a startup, a telco startup in Canada, but that was like a billion dollar investment, but it was a startup. It was the same thing. We started with 10 people and went to three, 400. So a little bit of experience. And I love uh, coaching and mentoring startups as well. So I've got, uh, that's kind of my experience on that side, but mostly uh, telco um, across Europe. And I just want to remind those of you who are tuning in right now live, you have a chance to ask a question. If, if you do, uh, you'll be in a poll. We're going to give away a couple of books, perform the unsexy truth about startup success. Uh, Chris, I want to I want to start with you, actually, this discussion. Uh, you said you've been working, uh, building startups. You are now the CEO of Atelco. Um, what are some of the challenges that you see when it comes to energy management? Do, we, do you think we prioritize enough this as part of the equation when we are managing our employees and, and running a team? God, no. So um, I, I really appreciate it. I'm not, this isn't a plug for your book, but it is really good to, you guys have the context around startups and the challenges. And it, it feels like what you guys are writing and the little bit of uh, uh, involvement I've had with startups, it feels like you're moving so fast that you don't focus on those things. And that's understandable. And in, in, you know, the reason we're talking about it is that you should be focusing on those things. I get that. But when I was reading through it, actually for larger organizations, it's the same challenge, but for a different reason. Um, large companies just don't somehow feel that they should be engaged with employees at that level, like doing mindfulness um, and focusing on personal growth for the employees. We've started that here. Uh, there, wherever we're talking, Estonia, um, a couple of years ago. But uh, it's the same. Like I said, it's the same same impact in the organization that people are burnt out they don't have enough energy there's not enough balance but for different reasons it just isn't isn't top of mind in larger organizations so i think it's a fantastic uh, narrative a fantastic dialogue for all size companies to be having and truthfully as i was telling you a lot of the ideas you guys put forward in your book and there's other models out there um, i think are applicable across whether you're a small startup or you know you're you're mid-range and, or you're a large company i think those things are very applicable so so we use them Short answer. Thank you, Chris. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the kind of words about the book as well. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of these things are applicable. That the question is, are they really in terms of do do managers, do executives, senior executives actually prioritize the time to to put those practices into action? No, not at all. So again, we've been pushing this in the organization and I don't want to say it's top down, but you really do need to be pushing people to do it. Um, strangely enough, I, I talk with new employees all the time. I got a session this afternoon with it. And when you're talking to employees coming in, they love the idea of a company being engaged with their growth and their personal development. And to be fair, I mean, I, I, I'm you know, a corporate guy. So at the end of the day, I believe and I know that a person that is focused on personal growth, that's happier in their life, that's more balanced in their life is going to be more productive. So there's a benefit for the company. So it's not just we're doing this because, you know, it's kumbaya and we all want to like, you know, feel good about each other. It really is. There's a benefit for the people, obviously. And then there's also a benefit for the company. So I, I just, I think it really is the next, even for large organizations, it's absolutely where the focus needs to be in terms of uh, the personal development. Yeah, I definitely agree. And um, I want to actually give now the word to, to Victoria, who's, uh, who's been building her startup and, and is in a, in a really interesting stage right now, uh, putting in 15-hour days. And what is the reality, Victoria? Like, I mean, many startup founders out there right now, they probably share the same, um, you know, can relate to what you're going through. How, how can you actually prioritize and put energy and health and the well-being at the forefront that's something that's really important when you actually have deadlines you're launching products you're 
you know, you're hustling, you got to get things done. Like, what is the reality for you? What's the truth, the, the unsexy truth about that? Yeah, um, the unsexy truth is that there's only so many hours in a day and it doesn't matter how much sometimes you want to do something, there's still only X amount of hours in a day and that's all you have to work with. Um, so I think the, the way we're going about that is that when it's crunch time, so these last two weeks and until this Friday, it's crunch time, but then take four day weekends, you know, and then when it's not crunch time, take the day off, take mental day off. We're not going to talk to each other. Let's just take some time apart. But then when it's not that, it's just go. Um, and that's, that's, I think that's just really the unsexy truth about it. So how do you survive these crazy <laughs> periods? Yeah. Uh, a combination of things. Um, I was teasing before that it involves wine, which is true, but it also <laughs> involves um, walks. And yeah, if there's a meeting I can take that's on the phone, I'll go walk around um, the very frozen lakes uh, while I do it. Or yeah, just breathing. I've been going to see a really nice therapist that taught me how to breathe that relaxes your body. <laughs> so um, if I'm writing emails, I'll do those breathing exercises. Um, yeah. And then in the evenings, if we're working really late, then we'll all order food, have a few glasses of wine and just make the work as social and as relaxing as possible because it is going to be stressful. So it's really just about balance and all sorts of things, wine, but also walks, but also talking and breathing and all those things, just little things throughout the day. Right. Um, Rada, you are a, you're a health expert, and, but you yourself are also doing a, a bunch of different things. Could you maybe share with us, and, and we can maybe get into this topic, uh, and I'll be happy to hear, how do you guys, because, I mean, at the end, I see three leaders who are leading other people as well, leading teams, but it comes down from leading by example in many ways. So I'm actually curious, how do you personally take care of your energy and make sure that you're at the top of your game, starting with you, Rada? So I think um, it is it is very difficult to look at perfect picture and realistic, exactly like Victoria said. We all know, I think most of the world now are fairly well educated in terms of what's good for you. So I think the important thing when it comes to energy is looking at, okay, we know what to do. Why is it not happening? And that's just life. So for me, it's been about being a lot kinder in terms of what I expect of myself and working on, uh, you know, BJ Fogg's work, which is tiny habits. So Rather than saying I'm going to do like an hour's yoga practice every day, which I'll be totally honest, is unrealistic with work. It's just not going to happen. I'd say I'll do 10 minutes in the morning before work. And I try and hit that as my minimum target, maybe five days a week. And I started with just doing that maybe two days a week. So for me, I have a very clear morning ritual when my phone is on airplane mode. I will wake up first thing, go and brush my teeth. We have like a few Ayurvedic practices that help you feel more grounded. And then I do meditation, 10 minutes of yoga. And then I go to my phone and I'll eventually let myself look at it before then. But we're living, especially in lockdown, in a world where our boundaries have been completely broken down. And I think actually for startups, those boundaries never really existed because it has been a case of work from home. You guys are ready for this lockdown. You're like, we've been doing this. <laughs> so it's really about how can you create those boundaries and um, what are your non-negotiables? So for me, it's 15 minutes in nature, 10 minutes of meditation, 10 minutes of yoga and reading a book, even just one page of a book. 
because I know those are my non-negotiables that make me feel like I've done something for myself today. And then there's days you don't do it. And it's just having that, it's okay. And then there's days when you've got loads of time, like you said, when Victoria eventually gets her four day weekend and you can do a bit more there. You can have a longer practice. You can go for a longer walk. And it's kind of, then you put stuff in the bank. And then on those days you have more time, you put more investment into your energy so that when you need to push, you can push. So I think it's that that flexibility and not being so rigid that we have to go to like a spin class every day at 6.30 a.m. Because actually it can be more stressful than less. So, yeah, small habits and that sort of sliding scale, depending on what deadlines you've got going on, being really OK with that. Chris, I saw you unmuted yourself. I, I thought you want to add something on top. <laughs> Nope, just moving the cursor. <laughs> I agree completely, you know. I'll add that on top. <laughs> uh, beautiful. But but actually, you know, when you were speaking, right, I've been an entrepreneur for over like nine, ten years now myself, um, self-employed consultant. Um, and I got to say, it's really, it's the negotiation with yourself because it's, you always have an excuse. When you're a founder, you're like, oh, yeah, but I have to finish this contract for the, like, I can't go to the gym now. Yeah, I'm so busy, right? It's an hour and a half. Are you kidding me? No, no, no way. I'll, do, I'll go tomorrow. Tomorrow there's something else. So unless you make it a non-negotiable and say, hey, look, you don't have to, to do an hour and a half. You can go for a run for 20 minutes. Um, or you can do in the book, we, we share this, this exercise. It's widely known uh, Tabata exercise, which is coming from Japan, which is basically this four-minute intense intervals where you're doing something for 20 seconds full speed then you have a 10 second break 20 seconds full speed 10 second break and this four minute exercise by research they they say that it's uh, it's sometimes giving you more in terms of benefits as opposed to 30 minute normal workout so so you can actually squeeze the time there's way to do it so you don't have to think about i have this hour and a half thing that's stressing me i'm feeling tired i have all these projects so uh, in a way i mean I, I don't know if i like the word hacking but in a way it's like really hacking your own nervous system to to prioritize the things that give you energy connected to exercise connected to nutrition connected to excitement relationship your good sleep your your time for yourself you time as we call it so uh, it it's really about building these small habits and non-negotiables i i love that you say that rada it's a really really a great point i um, do think what uh, chris said as well there about really from a, a management point of view you do have to convince yourself it's worth the investment and that's why doing a little bit of research and understanding the productivity and financial benefits of doing those things for any startup that is it is one of the priorities that is what's driving you you've got to make sure that you're growing you've got to make sure that you're you know achieving what you need to so i mean if you look at what it's going to create in terms of output you really look at it as a business investment and you understand that you will get physical, financial, creative and expansive return on it, then it doesn't become, you know, a side hustle. It becomes part of your business plan. And I think that's that's really important for people to not just know like mentally, but really understand that and put it into practice. Chris, what what uh, have been some of your personal habits, like some things like that you really actually make manage to make them habits that help you to 
you know, it could be some boundaries of when you go to bed or like you drink a certain amount of water. Like what are some specific habits that you have that help you to be sharp and kind of top of your energy? Yeah, for sure. So I, I completely agree with Victoria on drinking lots of wine. That's uh, that's super, super important. That's good. <laughs> um, seriously, I, actually, I, uh, I don't know whether it's uh, one drove the other or, or vice versa, but I've got a fairly specific uh, routine, if you will. I don't think of it as a routine. I'm not typically a routine person, but uh, literally like six, seven days a week, I'm up at 4.30 in the morning. Um, I find that time for me, I, I'm super, super productive, but it's all for personal productivity, if you will. I never work at 4.30 in the morning or not often, at least. Um, I have a Husky, so I take him out for a, a walk or a run. I come home, I do meditation. Um, I go to the gym. I'm actually, I'm maybe the exception versus the two or three minutes for me time in the gym is my mental time. It's the time I get to be mindful. It's the time I get to disconnect. I don't think about work. I don't think about problems. I don't think about anything. I'm just at the gym. So it's my mindfulness time, if you will. And what's interesting is uh, with the leadership, my leadership team, we just had this conversation about how they're doing kind of spiritually and emotionally and do they have mindful times. Um, and almost every one of them actually were either runners or they went to the gym and it was the same thing. They, their running time was their mindful time. It was their meditation time. Um, so sometimes it's like, you know, I know people that don't like exercise and they feel they have to, and then you need the, like the five minute, you know, hacking as you will. Um, but sometimes you have to look at, you know, is it providing you a different type of benefit as well? So for me, I, I don't give up that hour, hour and a half a, a day in the gym, just because that's, that's part of my mindful time. And like I said, I got to some of my colleagues have the same approach. I also have colleagues um, I had one really, really good friend and mentor used to run every day, an hour a day, but he used that time to think about work. That's when he solved most of his work problems was he thought about it. So some of it, I think, is you can also think about when you're when you're exercising, when you're doing whatever, how you can use that in a different way as well. So whether it's the mindfulness or whether it's the work problems or whether it's maybe the planning stuff that you guys talk about that you never find the time to do. So you can kind of... I know multitask is a bad word, but you can kind of multitask uh, to a certain extent uh, when it comes to work. So I, I do that. Uh, I, I said take the dog for a walk. I, I meditate every morning, uh, at least 10, 15 minutes. Uh, if I uh, actually almost every, every morning, I go to the gym. Um, in the days before we were all locked away, was at the office, which is fantastic. And then I could get into the office, um, and now I just do it at home, and then essentially start the day. And that, that's truthfully, that's that's all there really is. Uh, you know, some of the stuff you guys talk about in the in the book as well around nutrition, for sure. Um, you do also talk about, uh, I, I think it's fascinating, the whole idea that uh, a support network, which is fantastic. I find for myself, I like having a support network that's a very different type of people. And I get more energy from different types of people and different perspectives, different industries, talking with guys like you. Um, I get more from that and, and I can, you know, connect the dots uh, better that way. So it's not so much about empathy and a network for empathy, but more about a network for that's where I get my energy. I get my energy from new ideas and new people and new perspectives. So I really, every day I try and focus on either whether it's reading or talking to somebody or listening to something that I haven't, haven't ran across before. So I love trying those new experiences and I get my energy from that for sure. I love that. Uh, and I really want to emphasize on uh what you're saying about uh, um, it's you have your own habits that uh, or practices or routines that are connected to your own lifestyle, your own personal profile. Like uh, whatever we write in the book or whatever you find in another book, these are some practices and ideas, but they don't work 
100% for everybody, <laughs> you need to try things out. Like these are some ideas that might be working really well, but it's up to you to actually make them habits and see what works with, with your lifestyle. Now a lot of people working from home, we have to put that into the equation. So those of you who are mm -hmm. listening, just if you're on your the beginning of your journey, there's no 100% truth out there. You got to try things out. But when you make it a priority, you go out there, you experiment, and you you just find what works for you. What what really gives you energy? Something that gives me energy might not give energy to somebody else. Um, mm -hmm. By the way, guys, uh, Chris, Victoria, Rada, um, I know I've been kind of moderating this discussion, but just make sure that uh, you can also tune in. You don't have to wait for me to ask a question. So just unmute <laughs> yourself. If you unmute yourself, I'll know that you want to add something on top and I don't have to uh, you know, strike you with questions, but I'll strike Victoria right now because, <laughs> because we were speaking about something she shared with me. Victoria has been featured in the book and uh, I actually had a lot of things I wanted to feature from her in the book uh, since um, she gave me an interview. One of the things is something that you're saying, Chris, and it's about uh, having a support network. And if I correct me if I'm wrong, Victoria, but one thing that you shared with me was that you on a weekly basis or, or something like that, you, you meet this close network of yours. And, and this is your stress management in a way. You, you talk about it and maybe have a glass of wine, but can you maybe share a little bit about this? Why did you start doing this and how is that helping you to be, you know, in a better energy state? Yeah, so um, I'm a part of this program in Denmark called InnoFounder Graduate. It's um, my company was selected. It's recent graduates who have an idea. We apply and then every year the government picks 10 or 15 us, I think. And we were lucky enough to be chosen last year. And part of that is also we sit in an office together and which means that we all started at the same time and we're all facing the same things at the same time. And for all of us, it's our very first time. And that has just been beyond beneficial from like celebrations of when you send your first invoice and like the beginning stages or when like really horrible things if you have to fire your very first employee or when something goes wrong something goes right um we sit together all day every day but then beyond that now that all of our teams have grown and it's not just us and we have our employees there we still have like friday bars or take walks together and just have these meetings where we discuss things and kind of takes the stress off of our shoulders and we share it together. Um, it's very, very stressful, at least in the beginning was for me to have people's livelihoods depend on you. And sometimes you still, at least I don't anymore, but in the beginning, I just felt like a dumb kid who it's just been working, you know? Um, and it was incredibly stressful, but to share that all together, it, yeah, I really can't emphasize enough of just how incredibly, incredibly helpful it is to be in a room with your peers and to you feel a little less crazy and a little more normal <laughs> as you have these talks. Right. Uh, we have a question. Rada, you wanted to add something? Um, yeah, I think what you've been saying with Victoria as well is really helpful because the, the problem, and I think it is being rectified at the moment generally, is that people aren't very honest about the hard times. And although we are breaking through, chipping away on social media at being more honest, having a group of people where you can just be really honest about when you're having a really rubbish day is so helpful because we all do put on a bit of a front. We all want to look like we're, we're coping, but 
there is so much strength in being able to have, maybe not out to the world, maybe you don't have to post about it on your social media, but having a group of people where you can really be honest about that with. And we talk about energy here and yeah, it's so important for us to look at when we, how to create good, positive, optimal energy. But it's also really important for us to be okay when we don't have that energy and know how to adapt to that and to be okay with having a rest day, to be okay with not having the best day ever every day. Because otherwise we have a ridiculously high expectation that we have to be 100% every single day. And that's that's not what human beings are made for. We're meant to be a nice, gentle wave. So I think, like you said, Victoria, having that support group and people where you just say, yeah, you know what? I'm exhausted. I haven't slept for days and I could just really do with a holiday to Dubai. <laughs> Let's go see Chris. <laughs> yeah, and I, if I can just add on top of that, it's uh, these moments of vulnerability of when you share of how hard or difficult a certain day or a certain period of time is that has always been so beneficial to me. Um, as soon as you sit down and you start being honest with the people around you, there was one time that I had a sales meeting and we just took like the first like 15 minutes to talk about things are really hard right now and I've been going really, really well, <laughs> but we just kind of took a moment. We're just human with each other and we're very honest with each other. Um, that was, yeah, it's, I get a little emotional when I think about it, but it's, a it was really, really important and special. Yeah, and thank, thank you, ladies. Thank you for, for actually sharing this. I think, uh, especially we guys, I think everybody, but we guys need a lot to learn in terms of sharing. Um, I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of founders, and I think one of the challenges comes with the fact that when you're the founder, when you're the CEO, the leader, you know, there's this, this part of you that doesn't want to look weak, right? And that's why it's like, hey, I'm the leader. I, I can't show vulnerability uh, because people would say, think I'm weak and I'm the leader and I, I have the responsibility to lead them. I think there's this kind of a um, gray area where you can still be vulnerable and share that you're not at your best, but it doesn't have to come from a place of weakness. It's actually strength. If you if you take it from a place of strength and say, hey guys, you know, I'm, I'm feeling really, my energy is, is, is down. I can't really do anything at the moment. Uh, can you take over this responsibility? Can you take this? I'll be back a couple of days. And, and I'll be, you know, just just still being vulnerable, still sharing, but not sharing as like from a place of a victim because then, then that that's becomes like a, like a challenge. But but having a support group and sometimes even it's, it's kind of difficult, right? I mean, sometimes it's difficult to share with your team like some of the things. So that's why it's important to have some kind of a group, a support group, a mastermind group, a strong group of friends which are on the same journey, be it entrepreneurs or business leaders, which you can go to and you can openly just say, hey, guys, I'm struggling with this. I have no idea what I do. What do you think? Am I doing the right thing? And then three other people will say, oh, I had the same challenge. And the first thing is for you to realize I'm not crazy. Everybody's going through the same challenges. But if we don't talk about it, we, we kind of make it unique. It's like, oh, I'm the only one on this planet that's struggling with this thing. And it becomes like even a bigger thing. So uh, I think it's uh, it's very important to to be able to share vulnerability, especially in 2020, 2021, in these crazy times where we've been exposed to conditions which we've never seen before. 
especially when it comes to social interactions with social animals. Now, all of a sudden, everybody, you know, except if you're in Dubai, everybody is, is locked uh, is locked home and, and you don't you don't see your colleague by the coffee machine to share like a joke and, and to say something like you don't like you, you need to find other ways to to make it up for these missed social interactions, at least from, from my perspective, my experience. So uh, really, really important topic. Thank you so much, ladies. And I want to I want to. Um, post here a question that's coming from Eric Knorr, a good friend of uh, Rada actually knows him personally. Uh, he's based in Estonia and he's saying, great to see such a panel. Question, if you get mindfulness time during training, in case this is a question to you, Chris, then how does one correlate with focusing on your activity? If you focus on your work issues when training, then your training is less valuable or not. So um, I, I think there's different opinions. I believe for me, I completely agree. So I need my mindfulness is when I'm working out, I'm working out. I don't think about work. Um, if I when I'm running, if I go running, I don't think about work. I think about running, and it's just it's very calming. So I agree with you. However, I do have friends that manage to do both of those things at the same time. So I, I honestly I don't know. I don't have the, the personal experience. Um, my like I said my experience is you need to be mindful for that thing you're doing, the training, the running, the whatever else. Um, but again, I, I've got friends that have said just the opposite. So I guess you know as we were saying, not everything works for everybody. So some of those things you need to. I think if anything, the biggest learning I would have would be, you know, some level of self-awareness. So I love the idea of sharing and bouncing things off of other people, but I find people at all ages, all levels don't have enough self-awareness. So they don't really know what works for them and they don't spend enough time even thinking about these types of things. So, you know, as we we're saying, there's some good models and some good frameworks out there, but I think the starting point is, you know, start with what works for you <laughs> and see what you can do from that perspective. So if, you know, if running gives you that hour to think about, you know, plans for next year or the three years later or five years later, fantastic. Um, if that's your time for meditation, like it is for me or, or mindfulness, like it is for me, then that's what it is. I just, if, as long as you're, I guess, as long as you're practicing those habits and it works, keep doing it. It doesn't really matter what anybody else says. And we've uh, interviewed uh, for the book uh, over 50 people, including Rada in, in Victoria, asking for different uh, you know, strategies, ideas, tools that each of them is using in the different areas of uh, the performance methodology. Um, and one thing that was coming back again and again when we talk about the energies is a high percentage of the people we interviewed were sharing that they have some sort of a space for themselves. We call it in the book, you time. Um, yeah. You can call it whatever you want, but they they found really successful uh, for for also their efficiency to create a space, be it early in the morning, like a morning routine or, or in the weekend or in the evening, a space where they don't have to do anything, but it's a space for themselves. And people have different practices, journaling, meditation, some sort of breathing techniques. So I, I really want to talk a little bit about that. How is it working for you guys? Do you intentionally create a space for yourself, you time on, on a consistent basis? And, and what specific practices have been working uh, for you in that perspective? Um, I can start. 
so I have switched over <laughs> um, just something small. So I, we're still going into the office just because we're such a small team and so spread out. So we've been lucky enough to continue to do that. Um, but I, I stopped biking to work so I can, it'll take longer. So I can just walk by myself for a second because my partner is working from home. So it's, someone's always there and we have a quite small place. And so, and at the, during with the team, I have to do that. So it's literally my only time of the day where I'm just by myself and it's so important. <laughs> um, so just trying to, yeah. So I just put on some like classical music. And I just completely zone out. Honestly, I don't even remember the walk, like when I leave the house, when I arrive, like I'm fully zoned out and just taking that. And yeah, I think it's, it's like the only time my brain gets a proper break that it, it actually turns off, you know? And I, and then, yeah, I assume it's some sort of, me, some form of meditation as well. I think <laughs> when you think about it, but yeah, um, the 30 minute walk every day is just So I think um, one thing that I've started doing this year, because I've always had pretty much since I was 15, I've had a, a daily practice where I'd either light a diva or a candle and I just do either some prayers, some meditation. Um, and that's coming from my sort of Hindu background as well. So it's always been sort of something that my, my parents have brought me up with as well. Um, but in the last few years, it's definitely been, I've made it my own. And now what I've started doing is working each morning in, about 15, 20 minutes every morning where I'll light a candle and I have like a nice bell, get all zen. And then each day of the week, I have a different focus point. So I found it a bit stressful to think about my whole life and putting, you know, positive energy or creating a really beautiful design for every area. So I have one day of the week that I focus on my health. I have one day that I focus on relationships, one day that I focus on finance. And the morning practice for me is taking check and being really grateful, like pushing myself into that gratitude mindset of everything I have, a thought about where I want to go. And then what's been a big game changer is then dedicating a prayer or, yeah, dedicating a prayer to someone else in that area. So I know in COVID, a lot of my, well, a few people I know have become quite ill. So I have made sure I dedicated a prayer towards them in the morning. And just that little practice has completely switched my mind around. You wake up and you've had weird dreams and you're in a really weird mood and you just don't feel quite yourself. As soon as I do that and I just take stock of what I have and for a second get out of myself and into someone else and actually putting something towards helping someone, even if it's only a thought, that for me has pretty much nine times out of 10 pulled me into a positive mindset. And then by the end of the week, I feel like I've had a moment of reflection for every area of my life and a moment of prayer for a few people. And that's been, I think, a really, a really powerful practice for me. Chris, you don't want to share? <laughs> no, for sure. I was just trying to figure out where my cursor is at the moment now. It's all good. You completely forget how to use a computer. It's, it's fascinating. Actually, I really like what uh, Rado was saying. I was trying to figure out where I can make notes. It was too funny. I, I, I really like that uh, that approach. It's very, very cool. Um, for me, as I was saying, I mean, my my uh, me time is the mornings. Um, I'm, I, I now realize it's lucky. I didn't maybe uh, five years ago. My wife um, is not a morning person. So uh, she, she and my son, we have a four-year-old son. He's also, he's more like her. He likes to sleep in. So it's fantastic because it, whether it's a work day or a, a weekend or whatever, essentially that time from 4.30 in the morning until like eight 
is me. So I get to go with my dog. I get to work out. I get to do meditation. So I, I've actually got lots of me time. Um, it, it works out pretty well, that perspective. But I, I like this idea of uh, uh, dedicating a day to different things. That's very, very cool. And I'm doing, a, I do gratitude sessions with my leadership team. I, I try to teach them how to, so every meeting we have together, we start off with what we're grateful for, which some people really get, some people not, not as much. <laughs> it's always lots of fun. Um, and one of the things we're talking about is trying to get people to spend more time on themselves and more me time. And again, some people get it and some people are like, yeah, no. So there's a little bit more of a struggle. And I, I also find that actually trying to help other people that maybe don't get it and don't even maybe see the benefit, that, that practice, if you will, you learn so much from it that you can use yourself. So that, that almost trying to teach it, you, you learn way more, way more about it. So um, I know when I'm thinking of one person in particular, I'm not going to say his name, <laughs> but uh, try to get him to devote more me time and more focus on himself. I think we'll, we'll do a world of good, uh, but talking to him about it, uh, it, it almost it magnifies the importance for you. So when you when you talk through it, so I find that really useful as well. So Chris, how how what do you think was working like like now that we're talking about inspiring others to prioritize those things? Like, is it more about sharing? I did this and it was really good and I'm full of energy. Or it's more like uh, like what what do you think works for inspiring your team to actually start building those habits? Um, you know what, when it gets into stuff like this, I find it, it very much comes from a, a coaching style of leadership. So you need different leadership styles for different situations, different contexts, but you also need it for different people. So like I said, some people, uh, you know, just they get it. So it's not really that much trouble. And you can actually, then it's almost more of a, a dialogue. You're not really trying to convince them or sell them on the idea. It's more of that dialogue about, you know, what are you doing and what works and not works and those things. Um, but it, it's really individual. So some people, um, the the stressing on the business benefits you know you're going to be more productive you'll get more done you know by focusing this and doing this and, and going through the stats and the proofs and the, all the rest of the stuff that helps so i've got a couple of people like that um, that i've coached before in the past um strangely enough um a, a, an angle that i've taken a few times is uh People, if they're unhappy, if they're maybe not living their values, they're not even clear what their values are, if they're stressed, if they're, you know, close to burnout, um, so they, they feel like something's not working, um, and you're talking about it with them in a work context, but for sure, those same issues are showing up in their personal life. So what I've done with some people is actually coach them to be more open um, and, and to think about more of those things from a personal perspective because they feel less threatened than they have to be the leader at work. And, you know, I'm the manager and I need to be strong and everything else. So I've done, for example, uh, you know, uh, active listening skills. I've had people try that out at home with their spouses and their significant others first because they feel more comfortable with that kind of vulnerability and that kind of new approach than they do with their work colleagues. And then once they become more comfortable with it at, uh, at home, literally, um, they, they bring it to work and, and it works. It can kind of convinces them in a, a ass backwards kind of way, which is super interesting. I've even had, I, I literally remember when I was in uh, Lithuania, I had the, the wife of one of the guys that uh, I was trying to coach on more active listening um, skills because he was a terrible listener, although a fairly senior manager. Um, And uh, she came and thanked me at one of our annual events afterwards because it worked so well. So I was like, that that alone, I, I I I could have considered my career successful at that point. That was all I needed. So it was pretty cool. 
Uh, that's awesome, man. Uh, even if he, his performance didn't improve, doesn't matter. Like you, you know, he, the wife is happy. Everybody. Exactly. Exactly. It's fantastic. And he did. He did literally improve a lot. But he was one of these guys that was brought up kind of more old school and didn't feel like he could uh, share the vulnerability and you know, and, and check in with people. It was more telling type of management style, not so much listening type of management style. And he just, he really didn't, I, I tried for a while, try to get him to feel comfortable uh, acting that way um, and in a work environment. And it worked much better just to kind of flip it around and start from the personal side. So, so everybody's different. Yeah, and every, every culture is different. I, I used to work in a, in a small company several years ago and um, we had this little practice that we'll go for a run together. Every few days, we'll just in the afternoon, everybody bringing clothes. We had a shower in the office. So we just go for a run, nice weather outside. We come back, you know, everybody's high-fiving. Like we have some certain kilometers we have to make, right? And then we come back, everybody takes a shower and we start working again. And it, it was also a little bit of this team building kind of thing. And, and I can see many companies have been trying to implement some sort of a, I don't know, 10,000 feet uh, challenge a day like uh, like doing something either together or setting up some sort of a goals that are connecting to their well-being uh, so I'm, I'm curious if you guys have seen any you know similar practices uh, for any of the energy areas and um, any successful ideas something practical that you can maybe share with, uh, with the audience so this is a little bit different <clears throat> and maybe it's the california and me because we're big um, believers in therapy. <laughs> um, but uh, I believe it's uh, crucial for personal mental well-being. But also for a team, we're actually just going to be starting this next month. We're going to have a, um, the, our founding team is going to have a therapist come work with us um, every three weeks or so um, to work out communication kinks, because now it's not just going to be us, we're growing. And it's important that we stay kind of like on the same page for things, but um, away from just um, professionally speaking, I think it's going to be, yeah, really, really great um, for your personal life as well, because you learn a lot in therapy. <laughs> um, I don't know if anyone has gone, highly recommended. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're going to start doing like group therapy, essentially, at work. No one's going to comment on that. Come on, guys. <laughs> no, I think that's really good. It ties cool. into what, yeah. what we were saying about being very vulnerable. And like what Chris said, sometimes it's difficult to be vulnerable with people you're the boss of or you're you know, subordinate of, whatever situation it is. So no, I think that's a really a lovely way of giving people permission to really talk openly. Yeah, no, for sure. Actually, uh, for about the last, I'd say, 15 years in business, I, I talk with a lot of students and almost any students, the questions you get is, how can you be successful in business? It's an interesting question. Different phrase, different ways. But I've said for the last 15 years, my two things are communication and psychology. You don't need to learn finance. You don't need to use marketing and sales and all the rest of the crap, because essentially all of those things come from communication and psychology. So I think any business anywhere, the more you could focus on psychology, knowing yourself, knowing the others, understanding how people's brains work, how like you can be the smartest person on the planet with a brilliant idea. If you can't communicate it to somebody, it's crap. If you can't motivate other people to get behind it, it doesn't work. So to me, communication psychology is super, super important. So anytime I hear about companies prioritizing psychology, whether it's group psychology or therapy or whatever, I, I think that's just a, a fantastic place to invest as a company. It just makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it really, when you're speaking about that and thinking about the term that was uh, termed by, uh, I think it was Carl Dweck, uh, growth mindset. Uh, you know, like, like if you manage to build this growth mindset and you surround yourself and your team with people who have this growth mindset, who are always willing to challenge the status quo, who are always excited and striving to learn, to get better, to, you know, to listen to all the best podcasts, uh, read the, the best business books, uh, meditate, journal, work on themselves, then, I mean, of course, there's probabilities and so on, but still your chances of making it are much higher if you have such a team. And you as a leader, if you actually lead by example, doing all these things, again, the unsexy things that you have to do every day, um, even in the days that you don't feel like it, but, uh, but these are the days that make the difference and kind of lead the, the rest of it. Um, and I want to actually talk a little bit about nutrition as well uh, and food, rather starting with yourself, because uh, that's an area that I know you're deeply passionate about. Why is it important? And I think this is also, for me, being a founder, being a, a many years, sometimes I, I, I would neglect food, right? Let's go for the fasting. I don't have time now, and uh, only this time we get this thing. But, uh, but rather, if you can maybe speak a little bit about the effect food has on us, and why should we be very conscious about what we put into our bodies? So it is my favorite subject, I think. Alongside, yeah, food and sleep are like my two pet subjects. So um, I have studied Ayurvedic nutrition, which is sort of Eastern medicine. And the whole principle there is, I think there's a quote by Hippocrates, which is, let food be thy medicine or medicine will be thy food. Mm -hmm. So I also work as a pharmacist. So I've got a weird sort of balance there when it comes to... Um, trying to stop people getting to the point where they have to come see me in a clinical setting. And what the principles of Ayurveda share is that, firstly, know that every single person is individual, and I think everyone here has shared that today. And knowing that, you know, there's a fad diet, or, you know, someone might say keto is the way, or the raw food diet, or, you know, paleo or vegan, whatever it is, we are all so individual that I really do not believe there is a right and a wrong. There is knowing thyself and really being intuitive with how you feel when you eat. And then also just the basic understanding of everything you put into your mouth literally becomes your you. It becomes your cells. It becomes, you know, part of how your neurons are going to develop. It literally is feeding every single part of you. And having that understanding that, you know, within a certain, there are sort of different stages of digestion in Ayurveda and the different ways it goes through all of the tissues, whether it's going through the mental level, the physical level, but there is a deep understanding that food is one of the key areas where you can transform your life. And I think with, with startups, with founders, with anyone who is very busy and very driven, food becomes I think either something that is very controlled, if you're someone who likes to really control things and it becomes very strict, or it becomes something you don't think about because you don't see it as a priority. And there's this beautiful middle way where if you can create a relationship with food that is really nurturing, and firstly, know that, you know, be intuitive with what you're eating, all the standard things about organic, whole food, they matter. But one of the biggest things is how you feel when you eat. Are you sitting down in front of a screen or are you going to sit and just stare out the window for a few minutes? Are you with a team of people and sharing laughter, a glass of wine and creating a beautiful, harmonious atmosphere? Because 
on a sort of molecular level, on a mental level, that changes the way our body will digest that food. If you're in your fight or flight, all your circulations rushed away from your from your digestive system, you can't break down that food properly and you're not going to absorb the benefit from it. And you look at sort of studies where they've looked at some of the countries like France, where they have lots of cheese and bread and they think, you know, why are there, you know, cholesterol levels not higher and sort of cardiovascular problems not higher? And it's because of this relationship with food as well. It's about taking time to eat. It's about enjoying your food. And I mean, there's so much to go into with, with diet, but I think one of the key things that each one of us can do is to try and carve out that moment with our food like a meditation practice and make it something where we're mindful of what we're eating. We don't have to revolutionize, you know, having the perfect healthy diet straight away. But starting from today and now, you can change the way you eat. You can change the way you're aware of what you're eating. And yeah, I think that can be can be really powerful. I mean, I could talk for like months about food. I'm a big fan. But um, I encourage everyone to fall in love with their nutrition because it is building who you are and it will change the way you think, the way you feel and how long you live. So worth the investment. I love what you're saying. It's it's not just about what you eat, but how you eat it. Because a lot of times as a, as a founder, as an ambitious business leader, you, you just want to put it in the body quickly, get back to your tasks. It just becomes like a, like a vicious habit instead of scheduling time in, in which you you know, you just fully focus on the on the food. Maybe you're having a lunch with somebody else. And now, obviously, now a lot of people working from home. So that might be a bit of a, you know, a challenge unless you do it on Zoom or or something else or with, with people around you at home. But uh, but just being fully present. And this is one of the main messages of the of the book in, in, in general. It's about how can you create a workload where whatever you do, you are to the most extent fully focused and present in, in this one thing you're doing, be it working on the budget or having a break and going for a walk and listening to this new podcast. But like being fully in one place, fully present, and then you're more productive. Then you're more worry less because you, you have space. Uh, so... I, I I love that, and I, I need to take a note because I think I have what to do with my uh, you know nutrition habits for sure. Um, cool, 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 cool. We're getting somewhere. Uh, sleep, guys. I, we cannot not mention sleep. Um, and I think I know, Rada. This is your second best topic. Uh, but in in many ways, like with many founders I speak to, there's still I see. Um, they don't have a very positive and healthy relationship with sleep either. Um, it's kind of like to some extent, some, some of them, especially in new Europe, like Eastern central Europe is like, yeah, you know, I have to work hard. Like if I have time to sleep, that's fine. But like uh, they'll go to bed late in the evening, wake up early. Um, and it's not just about the quantity of the sleep. Like it's not the amount of sleep. It's also about the quality of the sleep. Um, so let's maybe maybe chat a little bit about that because sleep has a huge effect on the way we feel, the way we do, the way we perform. Um, what can we do to improve our sleep quality? Some simple ideas, mindset shifts, and maybe maybe tips. Whoever wants to speak, unmute yourself. 
Um, so the best decision I've made is to stop bringing my phone into the bedroom at all. I got like an old-fashioned manual alarm clock now. Um, it was very, very smart decision because I used to just wake up and then quick turn off the alarm on my phone and then just start. Like I would wake up by going through emails and stuff like that. Uh, yes, that is no longer, and it's been a very, very good decision to do. And also like unplugging from um, sometimes it's more realistic than not, but at least the majority of the time, like go away from my computer and all screens at least like half an hour before going to bed. Um, I think that's not mind-breaking news to anyone, but um, until I actually implemented it, you see a very significant change. I think um, I was listening to a really interesting podcast on sleep the other day, and they talked about how uh, when a child's going to sleep, you don't just stick them in bed and expect them to fall asleep. You read them a bedtime story, you'll give them a bath. You know, if they're really little, they might have some milk. There's this whole principle of allowing a child to go from ah, to ah, and actually putting them in that space. And we're pretty much the same as adults. And we have this strange ex expectation that once we get into bed, when we've been go, go, go all day, we're just going to drop off. And some people are, you know, some people do drop off suddenly, but I think that's more a sign of extreme exhaustion, actually, than necessarily a very good sleep routine. But um for me, it's been having that bedtime routine and, you know, treat my treat my inner child with care. So I know, same as Victoria, I try and switch off like technology at least half an hour to an hour before bed. And then I have nice warm shower or warm bath because that helps your internal body temperature drop, even though it's slightly counterintuitive, which is really important for helping you to sleep. Um, and then again, I do prayers or meditation. Uh, I do journaling just to do like a mind dump of anything that's worrying me and any things that I need to do. Because otherwise you're sitting in bed, you're like, oh my God, I've got to remember to do this tomorrow. And that stops you going into a, a full relaxation state. Um, and then just the little things like not eating for two hours before you go to bed as well. Because again, if you eat, all the blood goes to the center of the body, your core temperature can't drop the necessary one or two degrees that it needs to for you to drop off. Um, and then I think no blue light, having my little blue light glasses on if I am working late on a screen, trying to not watch anything violent on TV, like reading nice, happy books before I go to bed. Because like Storyon said, it's not just about quantity, it's about quality. And all of the things like, sadly, a nightcap before bed, although I think is absolutely necessary sometimes, that can actually affect the quality of your sleep. So although you're getting the hours in sometimes, the you know the actual depth of the sleep and the quality is not there. And you know the way you sleep affects the way you're able to relate to people. Because if you don't get a certain amount of sleep, you actually lose the ability to read people's emotions and actually be able to interact with people. And it you know dulls your creativity. It dulls your ability to deal with stress. It's literally like I think the panacea for for everyone to start with i think if there's one place everyone should start it should be sleep and then diet exercise so yeah for me it's my my bedtime routine sometimes a nighttime story if i'm listening to like a, a sleep story as i go to sleep but um that's been really really healing for me and yeah absolutely changes your life when you had a good night's sleep absolutely agree sleep is the most important for me and i think it's also about 
for everyone to have a understanding, self-awareness about how do they sleep best? You know, what are the specifics about it? Like, I personally need to go to bed 9.30 or 10. That's the best optimal time for me to go to bed. And then I wake up around 5.36 and I'm sharp the whole day. If I go to bed after 12, for example, whatever hours I sleep, I'm not going to be rested. I've tried many different uh, processes and procedures, but for me, it really works this way. And, and understanding your your rhythm, not just about sleep, but your rhythm during the day as well. Like, how do I want to manage my energy and workload? Like, when am I the most uh, energetic, full of energy, creative? Can I can I have some activities and tasks that I approach and address in the times that I'm most creative? Be it for me, that's in the morning and that's after 6 p.m., weirdly. Uh, so it's like uh, afternoon, I would rather have some calls where I can, I'm very extroverted, so I, I like to talk to some people, have some meetings so I can regain a little bit of energy um, from the introverted people who probably lose a little bit. But but then I'm coming back afterwards and I can do this creative, you know, maybe write a copy or like do something else. That So so really energy management is, is also coming a lot down to self-awareness and communication with your team, with your boss, with your coworkers. What is it? What is your rhythm? Because we are not the same. We, everybody's different and having conversations and really understanding your team. Um, you know, one person from my team, she's she's based in Toronto. She's very, uh, you know, introverted. She's not an early bird. When she kind of, you know, 10, 10 a.m., 11 a.m., she's kind of getting to, into speed. And then she's a machine. But like, if we have to do, have a morning meeting, like 8 a.m. for her, you just see a grumpy cat, right? <laughs> like, you don't want to get her in the morning meeting. <laughs> You know, if you're listening, it probably she will. Uh, I love you. You're amazing. <laughs> but like, we have to know, we have to know who who we work with and who we are, right? So, um, yeah. Anyway, guys, we we're running uh, uh, close to an hour, and it's been such a pleasure having you all. But uh, but I think it's about time to to wrap it up. And and obviously, if those of you are having any questions from the audience, you can still post them in the comments, and hopefully, we can we can look through them afterwards. But just to wrap up this discussion. Um, let's maybe have a quick round and I want to guys ask you, uh, thank you for being so generous to share insights, share ideas. Uh, I want to ask you to, first of all, share with the audience, where could people find you and the brand that you're representing eventually? And of course, a little bit of a selfish, uh, ask, <laughs> why should people get a copy of our book, perform the unsexy truth about startup success? So let's start maybe with, uh, with you, Chris. Yes. For sure, for sure. So, um, yeah, people can get hold of me. LinkedIn is the easiest thing. So, just uh, Chris Robbins, and, and you can pick anything: Estonia, Prague, anything in Europe, and, and you're bound to find me close to the, <laughs> the search terms. Um, and I'd be happy to connect with people. I always offer uh, that. So, I, I enjoy talking to people. I'm like, I'm like you. I get my energy from talking with people. Um, I think the book is fantastic. Like I told you guys, uh, and I'm not just uh, plugging the book. For somebody, if if the startups, if the, the founders and the people involved haven't addressed any of these things, they haven't spent time talking about these things and thinking about these things, I think the book is really, really fundamental. It's like really good basic building blocks. As we said, everybody's different and there's different models out there and there's other things. But if you haven't spent any time, then the book just really gives some really clear, good, concrete suggestions that I think it would be like super smart just to do that. 
So you don't even have to spend a lot of time doing a bunch of research, just follow that. And I think the book from that perspective is really, really good as kind of like the, the starter for these types of topics and conversations. So, and I, I told you, I mean, for my company, I ordered like 10 more copies and I've already distributed it to everybody because I, I think there's, there's tons of learnings in there for any size of company, so. Which we are very grateful about. Thank you so much for the feedback, Chris, and obviously for spreading the book towards, uh, towards your team. So much appreciated, Victoria. Yes, uh, so you can also find me on LinkedIn, Victoria Vaslenko. It's a very unique name in Denmark, <laughs> so I am also quite easy to find. Um, and uh, you can learn about KnowledgeGate just on our website, knowledgegategroup.com. Um, I think the beyond first thing that comes into mind is um, I learned so many good tips on time management, which I think is something that I struggle with quite a bit, and I think a lot of us do when we have so many things on our planes, but there's such lovely time management um, techniques in the book. Um, and so that's the first one to come to mind, but there's also just really funny stories, interesting stories. It was, it was a really good read. It wasn't something that I had to force myself through at all. It was actually, I, I laughed, I learned, it was good. <laughs> Thank you, Victoria. Rana, go ahead. <laughs> drop the mic there, mic drop. Um, completely accidental. Okay. so. Um, yeah, I mean, you can find me on my Toga online page, which I, I do use time to time. And there are some of the articles and links on to further things there. But I also teach online uh, as a yoga teacher and doing some sort of little speaking bits on the Drew Yoga Online studio. Um, so you can check that out as well. And I think um, what Victoria said earlier about having that shared group of people that you can kind of connect with that's a reason to get the book because actually if you don't have the luxury of having a really lovely network or a team yet and you're working on that, then this is a way for you to feel like you're part of something. And the book can be like your companion for you to say, oh my God, okay, yeah, someone else has gone through it. And actually here are some potential solutions that I can try. And like Stone said, you know, it might not be, this is exactly the one for me, but it gives you things that you can experiment with. So. I think it's, you know, like a lot of us in lockdown, books can sometimes be a really strong companion. So yeah, thank you so much, Dorian, for all of the effort and energy that you went to in creating it. It's really amazing. Oh, it's, it's really a pleasure. Thank you so much, guys, for, for, for the kind words. And one of the things I'm most excited about, uh, apart from, you know, the um, all the insights in the book from the 50 plus interviews we did, did and, you know, all the tools that we created there, like, it's more like an earth bird eye view of what you can potentially work on and then you kind of assess and, and address the areas that might help you most but apart from that i'm most excited about creating this community it really is about creating this community of, of people like yourself uh we are you know hey let's share let's let's share success practices let's support each other like let's uh, let's see where it goes uh right now we have a private facebook group uh, with uh, close to now 300 people if anybody's interested post in the comments and we'll send you a link to to get you into the group where people are sharing strategies people are like just really helpful uh, but it's really for me this biggest thing is let's create a community where where it's all about growth mindset people from this side of the world um, obviously there's a lot of stuff happening in san fran and so on but we are in europe we are in so-called new europe and things here work a little differently so it's a small community, right? Like it's it's not a huge population and so on. So why not support each other? Why not come together and try to thrive together? So that's that's the main message for me. And I'm super excited seeing people like yourself. Very grateful for having you. 
coming in with an open mind, sharing all your learnings, no BS, just like what things are. And uh, hopefully that's going to grow into something, something big. So uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's build, let's create, let's, let's make things happen. <laughs> but first of all, be safe. Oh, go ahead, guys. I saw everybody was there. No, no, I just want to say thanks for the uh, opportunity. So it was uh, a great chatting with you guys, meeting with you guys. Really lovely to see you all. Yeah, it was a good chat. Thanks, guys. Uh, all right. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, and uh, see you again in the next episode of the Perform Panels. Make sure to drop your name if you want to be included in the Facebook group. And if you want to get a copy of the book, you can go to theperformbook.com. And uh, right now it's still on a, on a discount. So, uh, yeah, you might get yourself a digital or pre-order a printed copy. So, thank Very you all. Cool. And see Thanks, you next guys. Time. See you. Thank you guys for listening. And if you're looking for somebody to help you step up your team performers and boost your productivity, make sure to check out stoyanyankov.com for online workshop solutions and programs designed to help you go through the current situation in a smoother manner. Stay safe and keep moving forward.